Podcast. This is the Australian Mobile DJ Podcast. In this series, we'll talk to them, get to know them and learn from them. And here's your host, DJ Bevo. Hello, DJ Bevo here, uh, rocking the podcast world with a brand new series of chats with DJs from right around Australia. This time, we're not going too far down the road, the Sunshine Coast, home to many amazing nightclubs, pubs, bars. It's uh, nightlife is, well, opened up recently when Ocean Street and Marichidor has a series of uh, clubs and pubs open for business. And one man that has occupied one of those venues is DJ Tim Talk, and he joins me on the phone right now. Hello, Tim. How are you? I wish I had a voice like you, Bevo. Like, really? just, just, listening, just listening to your introduction there with those nine nice, warm, dulcet tones, I'm like, I'm jealous already. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can uh, you can try and recreate that if you like on the telephone, but I'm not giving you much yeah. of a chance, am I? Um, no, the telephone does not sound too good. But anyway, <laughs> all good. Well, this is a podcast all about Australian DJs, and um, mm. you have been pretty much a DJ um, ever since I've met you. Like, how did it all start for you? What was the interest and the fascination of music and being able to bring that to the masses? So. Like you, I was actually in radio first. So, uh, you know, uh, doing radio work and then and then uh, needing a bit of extra pocket cash, I suppose, is, is what it came down to. And, uh, you know, going to nightclubs all the time and then having that bit of radio experience and, you know, uh, emceeing in nightclubs, you know, grabbing the microphone after a couple of drinks. And, and, then, uh, and then my mate, actually, uh, he worked at a cash converter store. And he rang me up one day. This was like in the in the nineties. Uh, uh, and he rang me up and said, "Hey Tim, I know you said you wanted to get into DJing. Well, uh, we've just pawned these SL twelve hundred turntables." And I was like, "All right." So uh, back then I was an electrician by trade, and I was like, "All right." So uh, why don't I uh, go and buy these SL twelve hundreds, which I still have to this day. Wow. Right? So they I know. So I've still got those two original turntables, and. Uh, and I couldn't afford to buy both of them at the same time because I was an, an, an apprentice. So I, I bought one, and then he actually kept the second one in the back room downstairs. And he was like, "You know that uh, I could have sold that second one like ten times over because <laughs> <laughs> you know they, they were a hot commodity. But even back then, they were a hot commodity, right? It's so, not um, what you know; it's who you know, isn't it? <laughs> it always, always. Yeah, you're right. Always. Yeah. So I uh, uh, bought the first one, and. I had a domestic CD player, and I remember the way that I taught myself to beat mix was to Robert Miles' children on the on the domestic CD player, and I, I went to Central Station Records, and the first uh, twelve inch that I bought to teach myself to beat mix was was Dreamworld moving on up. Oh yes, that yes, that was a radio favourite on B one hundred and five. Oh yeah, so, um, <laughs> and of course you, you can't pitch bend on a on a domestic CD job, so there was a, it was a one way mix. It was always Robert Miles into. <laughs> Dream world. Oh right, and and from memory, what is the BPM? Oh, one thirty-eight. There, so, there you go. There you go. He's 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 very well equipped in the BPMs. And back then, you, you didn't that? have a uh, software program that counted it for you. You had to do it uh, no. do it yourself with time. Yep. So I literally tapped them out. I you know tapped them out, count them out, and then uh, then over a period of years, uh, you know, got the second turntable and pair of CD players and blah blah blah. That that was my and then uh, and then because of the MCing in nightclubs. Uh, with radio, then eventually uh, it was Chris Mothershaw at City Rollers was the first ever other DJ who gave me a chance to actually play. And, and he and he was one night, he was like, I want to go and 
he, he'll kill me if he hears, hears this. But he was like, <laughs> I want to go and make out with this chick. And he wanted 15 minutes and he says, just play whatever you like. And I just literally got up and had a go. And that was the first time ever I played in a nightclub live. Wow. It's kind of a similar story. Most people kind of get into it by accident in the chance that someone's sick or someone needs to do this or that. And you're just basically thrown on the deep end and, and you learn yeah. to swim very quickly. Yeah. And actually, Chris couldn't believe the fact that I had taught myself to DJ. Like, it was a period of like two weeks. I bought that turntable. And because that's all I had, like, as you know, you know, venues in the, uh, you know, late 90s and you know, early 90s only had turntables. There was no CD players because, you know, they didn't have that functionality. So if you didn't know how to mix on turntable, you couldn't go into a nightclub and play it. So, and I remember, I remember Chris, the first time I did it was like, geez, you can do that. And I went, no, <laughs> it, it, it is all I've been doing. I literally went home at night, practiced, wow. and that's it. There's no shortcut, is there? Like learning how to mix, it's it's not a quick uh, learning experience. It takes a trained ear and um, patience, as you said, and practice. Lots of practice. It's funny because it's it's changed a bit now. Like uh, the mechanical process of mixing isn't there like it used to be. Like you know, computers can do a lot of the job for you. So the process of mixing that that you and I both you know started with kind of doesn't exist there anymore. Now you, now you can push that golden button to sync and it does the job for you. So I think it now comes down to, you know, uh, the experience of track selection, you know what I mean? Like uh, reading the crowds in front of you and, uh, you know, working out what's the best song that's going to get this crowd moving and what's the best song that, that, that these people are going to react to and, and where do you take it from there? And I guess there's a lot more tools now too because back in the day it was just pitch so you could, you know, match the beats up and so forth but getting the key right and matching um, was also a hard thing. But then now you've got all these effects as well like flanges and you can um, sample you know, and you can jump to, from one part of the song to another, you know, and loops. Uh, yeah, so, so that to me, uh, so what I've noticed is is uh, the audience, uh, you know, their attention span, like everything has, has really shortened now. Like, uh, you know, back in the day, I remember, you know, you'd get an eight-minute club track, you know, when I first started to play and, you know, you'd be stressing, you know, six minutes in that you'd still haven't got the next song lined up and ready to go and you'd be like, wah, you know. Yet now, you know, you play a song in a, a minute in and you can see the audience start to lose. <laughs> you know, they're like, when's the next one coming on? Yeah, like, they usually yell the- out, don't they? Play the next song. And like, oh, jeez. Always one. Rude. <laughs> but to be honest, I think a lot of people do tend to complicate their mixes. Like, yeah. Uh, Listen to a lot of effects and a lot of that type of stuff. I, I still think a nice, clean mix from song to song will keep the audience longer. It's that whole thing about you know the cleaner the mix, the less the less they know that the song is changing. So yeah, what's you know, the old uh, radio saying? Less is more. The less you do, agree. it means more to the audience. I agree. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I, I like to scratch and you know on the CDJs now, you know, a fair bit, but I tend not to use too many effects, and if I do, they're to to make the mix lift rather than to be a focal point in the mix. So when it comes to effects, what what do you actually use or is it mainly EQ based um, depending on yeah. the, the song? 100%. You just, you guessed it up. Yep. EQ, filtering, maybe uh, flange for effect if you want to lift a portion of the song, but mainly EQ and, and filtering is it. Like uh, I find too many, too many of the, the other effects just cloud the music and why change the song too much from what people know? You know, they, they know the song, you know, they want to sing along or they want to dance along to it. Uh, so I tried to not change it too much. Yeah, I totally hear you there. Um, I, I have a similar experience myself, like to keep it simple, stupid, the old kiss yep. analogy as yep. well. There's, there's so many analogies. There's plenty going around. 
Now, when yeah. it comes to hey, um, hey, your Bevo, you know how we're talking about nightclubs. Yeah. Does that mean I can open? Does that mean I can open a cider now? Is it a Dickens? Uh, no, it's a it's a strong rope, But you're trying to be funny, so you get ten points. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the sound effect. Ready? Oh, it turns out I'm a weakling and I can't even open it. There we go. Could you hear that? Just, it just sounded like okay. a little blip on the radar, but you know we can. Uh, it sounds like you're chugging it now. So, uh, there we go. Mental note, Lee. Please go back and add sound effect of bottle <laughs> opening. Ah, uh, yes, the beauty mm-hmm. of editing audio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, your transition from vinyl to CD would have been a pretty quick one because you did say that you were doing both at the same time when yep. you were learning how to mix. How did how did the um, ha- I mean, what was your first set of um? DJ CD players. Can you remember the model? Yeah, of course. Don't be stupid, man. And, I, and I'm going to guesstimate that every DJ in the late 90s, early 90s, I think I bought my first pair of these was in the mid to late 90s, was a Denon DN2000F. Yes, I remember <laughs> mine well. I think they had the Mark II. Uh, now, it's one of, yeah, and here's, here's, a, here's the thing. I still have mine. So, Actually, so I, I have a DN DN two thousand five hundred. That's right. Yeah, that was the, the very DN2, fancy model with the jog dials yeah. and the extra key so function. A mutual friend of your and mine, Matty White, yep. bought my DN two thousand F off me, and he wanted to learn how to DJ. And I was like, if I sell him my DN two thousand F for back then, close to new price because they really held their value well. Yeah. I think I sold it for like, you know, only two or three hundred bucks under new yep. price. Yeah. Then I bought the, the two thousand five hundred and I've still got it to this day as well. So I still have my original turntables and that original Denon CD player. The mixer I used was a new mark and I must say it was a piece of shit. So uh, <laughs> I think we all started with a new mark because it was it seemed like the best bang for buck. I mean there was Pioneer well, and Technics and all that sort of stuff. They were pretty basic and they were really expensive. They were. Like uh, I must admit I'm so happy with the Pioneer mixes of, of, of today. That new mark mixer, literally all it did was there was no effects on it. It was just, you know, uh, EQ level up down, that's it. Like the and two the the thing that uh, like, you know, that I remember that the very, very first mixer I had, which I remember was a toy with a Sintronic one. It only oh, had two yes. Mobile DJ to, 101 was Sintronics. I, I had to ditch that when I got the, the CD player because it only had two channels on that job. But that one there didn't even have split queue. So you couldn't even adjust the amount of queue to, to uh, you know, program balance. You know how that, you got that knob. So yep. I remember when I got the new mark, I was like, oh, geez, that just changed my world. I <laughs> Preview a little bit of cue and have most of the master in the in the in the cans. How good is that? And now the pioneer. What's your favourite? What's your piece of kit that you're running these days? So my my current live set. Yeah. Is uh, so I, I am using PC or, or Mac MacBook uh, when I'm DJing. So I use uh, Serato. Yeah. Uh, because I'm trying to get video clips into my sets now, so I've transitioned into a complete video DJ. So oh, awesome. my current my current my current live kit is a Pioneer DJM uh, 900 Nexus. Yep. I have two CDJ 2000s and the Serato uh, in my MacBook. And I also still use a different brand by user, a Tractor X1 controller oh, to, do yeah. the video, to do the video switching and to automate some of the effects, like, uh, you know, for video switching, because, you know, of course, I, uh, I try not to touch the 
keyboard too often. So it means that I, if I have a controller there, I can use that to automate the video effects. It's quite a compact um, controller, that Tractor One. Um, I haven't seen anything yeah, really quite... since that came out no. that's anywhere near as compact. Yeah. And, and uh, mate, it's a, it's a beautiful little setup. I, I've, got a, I've got that whole thing to, and also to all my video kits all packed up into two little uh, suitcases, which I take to, to every venue with me. Yeah. Takes about takes about 15 minutes to set up. So I can literally rock on up in a venue in less than 15 minutes to playing both audio and video. When it comes to gigs, what's like your favourite gig that you've done in the past, like a, a highlight of your career? Like ah. you think back and you think of like a big audience, crowd was going off, it was just epic. See, Bevo, you, you know I've done from like, you know, a, you know, really small rooms to festivals, right? So yep. uh, how, about I, how about I give you a bit of, so uh, of course when I first started DJing, Instantly, because of the radio connection and, and Wild FM Brisbane was, uh, you know, where I sort of started doing DJing, which meant that unlike a lot of DJs who, you know, had to sort of show themselves, pretty much most venues were willing to give me a go, even though they'd never seen me DJ before, which meant, which was very fortunate, the fact that I could, I suppose. Um, so I've done nightclubs, I've done pubs, I've done festivals. That my favourite gig is actually New Year's Eve on the Sunshine Coast, and I've done it for probably close to six or seven years in a row now. It's not the fact that it's it's uh, it's you know uh, a big festival or there's a lot of people in front of you. It's the fact that no matter what you play, and they're right into it, and because you've also got people of all ages. They're all, it's a, it's a, it's a family event. So, you know, you've literally got, you know, the mums and dads with their, with their, you know, dancing with their babies in their arms up on the, you know, the, the hill there. And then you've got, you know, the, the, you know, the 18, 19s that are ready to start to go out there, starting to, you know, maybe coming pre-charged a little bit, you know, they're starting to get there. And then you've got the, the under 18s that are realizing, oh, that's what DJing is like. Or that's what it's like when you put two songs together and hard, oh, the song doesn't stop and this is way better than when you're listening to the radio. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so it's kind of like their first live DJ experience and yeah, yeah. like you said, it's it's not the radio. This is really happening live and the transition and the yeah. song selection, yeah. it's it's all live and real. Yeah, I I, I, I tend to like the, the, the gigs that are more intimate now, actually, to be honest. Like the ones that, like that, that's my favourite, but, but now it's the gigs that, you know, uh, you can get a, you can see the people that are dancing in front of you, and you know, uh, when you play that song, they connect with, and you know, you, you can get the response from them straight away. Like, you know, uh, and, and as I've gotten, you know, a little bit older, I suppose it means I'm now playing more pubs than nightclubs, and which means that you know, the, the age gap is from 18 to 80, so it's a big challenge to get that audience dancing and get them, you know, get everyone in that venue up and dancing and keep them dancing for as long as the place is open, I suppose. When it comes to song selection, obviously you kind of um, look around the room, you look at age groups and you, you kind of almost have a guesstimate of what's going to work, what's not going to work. Is there a couple of songs that are always your go-to? Should um, <laughs> no, should you uh, want to get people dancing that you, you're not sure if, if they will like it or won't uh, like it? So, so have, no, but, but there are definitely the songs that I try. So because the, every venue is different and, one thing I've learned is playing in all different places around Australia is there is not one particular song in one particular town that works. Like, you know, you go to one town, 
where there may have been a DJ that played a particular song for years on end because, you know, resident DJs, I, I actually, like, you know, I've been a resident DJ in, in nightclubs for many years, but I know that, you know, if, you know, there are songs that when you're a resident DJ that you get requested every week and you play every week. So as a guest DJ, when you go to some of these clubs, you know, there's the, there's the random song that just pops on up that you go, shit, I had no idea that that was going to work. And then it's the one that fills the floor and then the one that you've, you know, played in every other venue that works in every other venue, you know, does not work in that particular venue. I like to try, uh, you know, a few different styles at early, just, just see what gets them moving. And then, and then from that point on, you sort of, then you realize, okay, you know, read the crowd and okay, where do I go from there? And it's, you know, sort of reacting to those particular songs that do get them moving in that early stage. Have you noticed this uh, a bit of a trend lately? Uh, I know years ago it was all top 40 music and what was high on the charts and whatever, but there seems to be, even with radio, um, the classics, the uh, the throwbacks seem to be making a comeback and, and standing the test of time and getting people dancing again. Oh, yeah. Have you heard why that's happening? Do you know why that's happening? I'd love so, to uh, hear it. So because of COVID and, you know, the uncertainty in the world that's happening around right now, people are looking back to happier times in their lives. You know, whether it be the first time they had a kiss, the first time they got a rude, you know, uh, the first time they got married, you know, it's a lot of those time frames that people are looking back to in their lives. And they're looking back to those songs that happened around those times. So that's why some of the songs like, you know, uh, you know, you've got, you know, the cover of Charles and Eddie, you've got, you know, uh, the cover of Blue. There's just a whole lot of covers in the top 10 at the moment. And it's because people are looking back to those times that were really happy. And, and they are the 10, 15-year throwbacks because it's those people that, you know, our age are looking back to those times that, you know, we were a little bit younger and a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit, little bit more, you know, disposable cash in our pockets than maybe what we've got now. And it's, and it's you know, the very young people who, these are, these are songs that their parents were playing and, you know, they're happier times from when their parents were really happy. And, you know, you know so that's why those songs are charting now because, you know, with the uncertainty that's going on at the moment, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice memory for people to look back on those times that they were really, there wasn't, you know, the, the crap that's going on, you know, in the world at the moment with politics and COVID, you know what I mean? I find it really interesting um, how these songs come back and they're, you know, presented as new songs and they've obviously got a different sound and they, they sample the chorus and, and the kids of today kind of go, I love this new song from blah, 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 blah. And the parents are going, well, hang on, this is actually 20 years old and it was a hit by this person and a totally different sound. You'll have to listen to it. And they're... They're surprised that it was an older song that's been re- revamped and redone for today's audience. All right. So, Bevo, when you were growing up, did you have a song that, that you used to love that when you played your parents were like, oh, I remember that when it was young. Do you have a song like that? Uh, it's always been Grease, Megamix, all those songs from um, yeah. 1978, I think it came out. But I, I'd, I'd watched the movie so many times as a kid. So, um you know, even at weddings and stuff, it kind of stands the test of times and, and both the, the young and old know it and love it, I guess. So I remember um, playing, the, I remember the song too, Lean On Me, Club Oh, Nibiru, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So this is Young and Innocent Tim. I had no idea that it was originally by Bill Withers, right? And by the way, now I really appreciate both of those two versions because they're just so completely different. Aren't they? And, and both have, you know, really different meanings so for me. Like, you know, Bill Withers, amazing talent, big loss when he passed away. Like, you know, but the Club Nouveau version was my first, you know, 
and I remember listening to that and my dad going, it still sounds good. And I'm thinking, of course it's not just brand new. It's only just out. You know, what are you on? How many beers did you have at lunch today? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. incredible, though. They're like those those early songs that have been played to death on the radio for many years and all of a sudden they're, you know, they disappear and then they come back again. It's like a, a brand new audience and it's yeah. rehashed and feel good again. Yeah. But that, that, that's the wonderful thing about music, you know, like and, and playing them live in venues is I, I think one thing that's forgotten by a lot of DJs is they're like, oh, we're going to play the latest hit, blah, 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 blah. Which, don't get me wrong, I, I was definitely in that stage for a long time, but now I like to have that connection with the audience of what's the songs that you can play that's going to give them the best night, you know, the, the best memories of, the, of, you know, that particular night. And I think it shows too, because if you can keep, if you, if you can keep them listening to the songs and mix them in a way that isn't too distracting, because I think that's a lot of the, the, the thing as well too, a lot of DJs don't think musically, They'll, they're thinking too mechanically. So what I mean by that is, Mechanically means just putting the songs together. Like, you know, yes, I can I can make that song 122 BPM and the next song will also be 122 BPM and, and, and the key is correct. But it may it may be a shitty mix when you put those two together because you, you didn't start the, the song, the next song at the right time, which means you may have the bass line might be, it's in key, but it may not fit. Uh, or, you know, or the vocals may be crashing or something like that. So I think a part of it is also, you know, getting those two songs together in a way that they actually blend together really well. And and I think that's also how you can keep the crowd longer. Because if you're doing a mix that is, is I don't want to say seamless, but if you're doing a mix that, because, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but if, if, if you're doing a mix that's good, that, you know, is not too jerky and not too, you know, too much in your face, they'll stick around and keep them singing every now and then and, I think it's a good thing. And, and it, th- those memories of those songs, you know, playing enough of them inside your mix to, to you know, give the, the oldies something to sing along to and, uh, you know, the, 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 you know the, the people that are just sort of reaching that 18, 19, 20 years of age, give them, the, you know, those new songs that they're craving because, you know, I think, you know, the 18, 19, 20s, they, they do want to hear that music. And I think that's, you, you've got to still keep them in mind. You have summed up DJing what it should be right there. <laughs> Programming really? transition—it's—it's—it's <laughs> it's, it's all in this podcast. <laughs> have, we, have we given away too much in this, or what's the go? <laughs> I don't think so. I think um, it, it's great that you've brought all this um, knowledge and, and wisdom to uh, a new generation that has uh, just started getting into DJ. And some people just seem to think it's—it's it's just about the transition. It's just about the mix. It's not about but, the but mix. To be honest, oh, as I said, look, I think the mechanical process—and I know I use that word because it is—you know what I mean, like. The mechanical process of putting the songs together can be done by sync. You know what I mean? Like, I run Serato, so, you know, I know just as well, like, you know, but, but I can still vinyl mix and I can, you could still give me two records now and I could put them together on my turntables, no dramas. But I still prefer to use Serato. I still, pre- and also, too, this will, this, this will let the cat out of the bag. I also run in sync. So, how's that? Even though someone who started on vinyl, I'm not a, like you know. I'm not a vinyl wanker. Yeah, oh, yeah. My dick's so big that I only mix on vinyl. Dude, it to me, it's all about what's the end experience that you're offering to the to the the people in the club. And do you know what? I can offer a far better experience by running the computer in sync. Like honestly, I can. So why not use it? 
Tim Talk, absolute pleasure for having you on our Australian Mobile DJs podcast. Lots of insight there, lots of knowledge, and lots of uh, great tips too to share with a, a new generation of DJs uh, coming out these days. So uh, make sure you do come and see me live because, you know, I want to make sure that I can get repeat bookings in all my venues. So if you're listening to this, come and see me. <laughs> so anyone listening to this podcast, I'd love to reach out and ask you more. How do we get in touch with the Tim Talk? So uh, Facebook, you can hit me up. Uh, my uh, It's facebook.com slash DJ Tim Talk. You can ask me any questions there. I always keep my Facebook open. Twitter is Tim Talk as well. And, of course, you can email me, tim at timtalk.com. Excellent. Tim Talk on the Sunshine Coast. This is the Australia Mobile DJs podcast. If you'd like to join us on Facebook, you can. Join the Australia Mobile DJs group or you can send me an email, djbevo at me. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll talk to another DJ the next Australian week. The Australian Mobile DJ podcast was hosted by DJ Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions.